0: Hey guys, we're we'll getting to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's again a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Can you guys find the podcast on YouTube? Please uh, continue to subscribe there. And then you can also find it anywhere you can get your podcast. Uh, we're just so thankful that you guys are here, uh, that you guys have found us, and you're with us today. All right, so with this podcast, this is uh, a... <laughs> This is going to be another one of those that it's another one of those ones, right? It's another one of those ones, and I really hope that this can um, this can help you and this can encourage you and uh, maybe challenge your thinking of of where you're at and where you've where you've been at, right? So I really hope that this can help you. I'm really excited to go uh, with this today. So before we get into this conversation, I gotta put a disclaimer out there. This isn't just like the other ones but specifically this one. This is not a podcast where you take a clip from the beginning, the middle or the end and then come to your own conclusion about the clip that you saw or you hear it to a point and then you stop and then you have a you have a formed opinion about it from where you stopped. I would encourage for the entire context, I mean from once we start to where it says the podcast is over and then it an ad runs listen to it from that point so you can really understand everything right and and you're going to understand once we get to this topic you'll understand why i say that all right so i just want to throw that disclaimer out there so let's start let's start our conversation off like this um as you guys know i'm a i'm a big movie guy right i like movies i like shows I, especially um Things you can follow. It has a it has a good storyline, right? There's a there's a meaning behind it, and so there was a. Uh, and again, I'm a hero guy, so I like I like seeing those type of movies and and shows. So there is a there is a movie uh, by Marvel called Doctor Strange, right? Great great movie. I would encourage you to go see that. Um, but essentially, what this man was, he was a doctor, and he was a surgeon. And so essentially he was the best in his field. And there was an instance where his hands, his tools, and his instrument of what he used to operate on people to the best of his ability to make him the best, he was in a car crash. And in that crash, his hands were really never the same, right? He, he could. It would take a while to hold a pen, but if they were so – they were so shaky that he couldn't hold the scalpel again. He just couldn't do it. So everything that he once was, he lost it, right? So that's the that's the the original story of it, right? So that's what really happened. But there's a show that kind of couples along with that, and I would encourage you to go watch it. It's called What If. I think it's episode four, and I love the title of this. You'll see the title. What If Dr. Strange Didn't Lose His Hands? But what if he lost his heart? So what this show does, it gives us a it gives us an alternate view of this is what happened in real life. What if you could change it? What if there's instances that you could change? What if there's moments in time that you could change? Then how would that change this? And then how would it change that? And we've all played that game, right? If we're being honest, we've all played the game of. What if you did this? What if you changed this? What if you never went here? How, how would that ripple effect change what you know that has already happened now? Right? We've all played that game. And it's very interesting that as you look at that, he comes to a conclusion that's very interesting. And I'm not going to tell you my conclusion for for mine until the end. Right, And so as we look at this, here's here's what we're going to talk about and conversate on today. Would I do it all over again? Would I do it all over again? It's an interesting question because, like I said before, as you and I start this study and we're going to look at this text in in Exodus, which is crazy. It's a beautiful text. But as we look at this text together, we've all played that game. We've all wondered— about things we can change and how we can make things better and because we understand all these things and all these things are jumbling up together, we we wonder how life could or would have been different, right? So we play the shoulda coulda woulda game. And you can you can find yourself um living life, but at the same time you're stuck in this time capsule of shoulda coulda woulda. So time is still going, but you're still stuck, right? And and there's there's places, there's things, and there's people that the Lord wants you to meet. There's things, places, and and people the Lord wants you to go and see, but you can't do that because you're you're stuck in the shoulda, coulda, woulda. So the question is, would I do it all over again? What? And then we ask, you know, as we look at this a little bit more and dive deep more into this. Then we start getting a little deeper into our question. Well, what was the point of this? If this was ultimately supposed to fail, what's the point? So that in our minds, we view things in our lives that has happened, and we view events as as almost pointless. If if something was not a success, if something didn't work, if something if something wasn't perfect, then in your mind, you convince yourself. Number one, that wasn't a success. Number two, there's nothing to learn from that. And number three, that never made me better. So therefore, we ask God, well, why did that even have to happen? So we take multiple instances in our lives and we're asking God these questions. But the question that I have is, what if God said, would you do it again? What would you say? What would I say? and it, the ironic thing about how we're talking about this the ironic thing is God literally asks Moses and gives him an out and there's an opportunity Moses even Moses understanding what he's been through there's an opportunity for Moses to get a real life restart if you want to say a real life restart now let's look at this this is this is great look at Exodus chapter 32 Exodus 32. And if you guys are studying, or if you're if you're at the table, if you're walking, if you're in the gym, definitely go back and look at this, like we always say, because this is some, this is a really important text. And I hope that this can kind of help you um almost kind of get up out of that mud if you're still stuck in that, right? So let, let's look at this together. So Exodus 32. So we're actually gonna start, we're actually gonna start in verse seven, but before we get there, we gotta understand the context of what's happening. So up to this point, Israel had just left Egypt, right? So the Egyptians were chasing after them. They were engulfed in the Red Sea. Israel is now the wilderness. Israel is now wandering, and they're going towards the land, right? Or they're supposed to go towards the land. So all this is happening. Moses is leading. Moses is helping. Moses is judging, doing all of these things. And there's an instance where Moses is on the mountain talking with God. And as he's on the mountain talking with God, the people on the bottom of the mountain, what they've done under the leadership of, of of Aaron, what they've done, they've taken their gold, they've taken their jewelry, and they've melted it, and they've literally made a golden calf. And they began to worship that golden calf and say, "This is this is the God that has taken us out of Egypt, right? So that's where we are, okay? So remember, Moses doesn't see all this yet. But God knows as they're on the mountain, God knows this is happening at the bottom. Moses doesn't know this yet. So this is where we are. All right. So, again, if we're going to point this out just so we can have some sort of organization here, the first thing that we're seeing here is here's the problem. Okay. Here's the problem. Verse 7, Exodus 32. And the Lord said to Moses, go get down for your people who you brought out of the land of Egypt they have corrupted themselves very interesting here guys as we as we start our study and conversation remember this phrase if your bible's in front of you or if not remember this phrase and the lord said to Moses that's that's going to be super super important as we continue to read these next couple of verses but as as god saying the lord said to Moses you need to get down from this mountain And isn't it interesting that if you look at the beginning of Exodus, remember in Exodus 4 when Moses was called, that God said, I want you to go save my people. I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Isn't it interesting that God always said these people are mine? They're mine. And I want these people that are mine to be let go. Now, isn't it interesting here, guys, and these are little things we can miss, but isn't it interesting that God, in verse in verse uh, 7, he says, go get down, but what does he say? God doesn't say my people here. God says, for your people who you brought out. Well, wait a second. Didn't God say I brought them out, and didn't God say that those were my people? Why is God now saying to Moses, as Moses is on the mountain with him, why is God saying now you need to go get your people and you brought them out? It's kind of like a parent where if a parent has a son or daughter and the son does something absolutely ridiculous, the father's like, yeah, that's your son. <laughs> Even though that's ours, the father, would like, yeah, that's your, that. Yeah, there he is. That's your son. That's your son. You see, you don't claim him, right? So look at what God is doing. God is setting Moses up for a big question. Now, is God disowning his people here? No, he's not. He's setting Moses up for a question he's going to ask later. But it's, it's very interesting that God would say your people that you brought out when God knowing that he did those things. Very interesting as we start this. So this is the beginning of our problem. So who you brought out out of the land of Egypt— they have corrupted themselves. Verse eight, they have turned aside quickly out of the way, which now notice what he says. They've turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. And they have made themselves and they have molded a calf and they worshiped it and they sacrificed to it. And they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So again, he's telling us what's happening at the bottom of that mountain. He's telling Moses, who hasn't seen this yet, he's telling Moses exactly what's going down. All of this is happening. Now, guys, we got to build our foundation because I promise you it's going to get crazier as we get to our question, would I do it all over again? So now all of this is being set up. We see what Moses and God is talking about. God reveals to Moses what's happening at the bottom of the mountain, but then notice what God says again in verse 9. And the Lord said to Moses, isn't that the same thing that God just said in verse seven? And the Lord said to Moses, here's what's cool about this. So you have that in verse seven, and then you have that in verse nine. So in the Hebrew, this this clause is very interesting. It's almost like God had an initial thought or question or statement. And that thought, question, or statement was so ridiculously profound that he said it again in verse 9, and it's sandwiched in between verse 8. So you have this sandwich of questions and statements here. And so it's very interesting that the reason why it's broken down like this is when God said that in verse 7, this was so profound that this was happening that Moses didn't have an answer. What can I say? I'm still trying to process what you just said. So have you ever asked a friend of yours or someone a question or you have a statement or you say something or you tell somebody something that's just so either surprisingly good or so surprisingly bad? And as you tell somebody this and they just stare at you and they're trying to process what you just said, whether it's good or bad, and then because they're not doing anything based off of what you said, then you say what you said again. So they can get it again, right? So this is what God is saying. God is saying a statement in verse seven, and Moses is trying to comprehend what he just said in verse seven and eight, and then God says it and reiterates it again in verse nine. So Moses is sitting here, really trying to get, wow, they're 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 saying what? They they're doing what? They they made what? How, how they how did they mold something? <laughs> We're out in the wilderness. How did they? So he, he's trying to process all these things that are going on. So this is the initial problem. It's it's almost like y'all remember when Job, when all that calamity happened to him simultaneously, as Job is trying to process what one man said, a house fell down and it fell on your children. What just happened? Someone else comes and runs up. I can't even process what you just said. Someone else is running up. Everything that we just had just burned up. Wait, Wait, my children just died. Everything just burned up. Wait, what happened? Then someone else comes up. Everything that we have has been stolen away. They came and stole all the cattle. So now Job can't even process everything that's happening because it's all happening at once. So Moses is in the same predicament here because in in Moses' mind, he can't fathom what's happening here. But God understands it. So this is our problem, right? This is what's going down. Verse 9, and the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed, this is a stiff-necked people. That phrase shows up a lot in Scripture. Acts chapter 7, Stephen called them stiff-necked, just like your forefathers, and the forefathers were these people here in Exodus chapter 32. You stiff-necked people. Now, watch this. this. Now this was where this gets interesting. So would I do this all over again? Watch how God built up this question, and God is building up the same question for you, too. Watch this. You have the problem, but now this is where we're going to spend a little bit of time here as we conversate and talk. Now you got the proposition. You got the problem. Now here's a proposition, verse 10. Now, therefore, since God just explained all those things, now, therefore, leave me alone. That my wrath, watch, watch how specific God gets here, that my wrath may burn hot against them and I will consume them. <laughs> Isn't it very interesting that the proposition that God made to Moses, imagine hearing this from God and hearing God's tone. And as God is talking to you, leave me alone so that I can handle what I have to handle. Let me, I will consume them. Not only will I consume them, my anger is burned hot against them. Man, it's burned hot against these people. Now, we got to keep in mind, Moses, as a leader of those people, Moses can understand what God is saying because Moses has seen the stiff-neckedness, right, in Egypt and out of it. He's seen it. So Moses can sympathize and empathize with what God is saying. so imagine both of the leaders' mindsets well, I understand what you're saying they're just yep I get it I get it. So what's your proposition? Leave me alone and here's my first here's my first proposition to you, Moses. Because both of us understand what it's like to lead these people. Both of us understand what it's like to save these people. So here's my proposition, leader to leader. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it, number one. And then number two, what's the next promise? And then this is what I will do for you. I will make of you a great nation. Now, question. These are Moses' people But are they Moses' people? Did these people come from the loins of Moses? They did not. But they are Moses' people. So think about what God is saying here for a second. What God is saying to Moses is the same thing that he said to Abraham in Genesis 12. I will make a great nation out of you, Abram. So think about the offer that's on the table for Moses. Number one, all the things that you've seen up to this point in your life, in some way, it's been caused by these people. So therefore, I'll take care of it. I will literally erase it. And then not only will I erase it and take care of it for you, here's what else I'll do. Number two, we'll start over. And I will elevate you just like, Moses, or just like Abraham, and I will start a great nation through your loins. We'll start over, and we'll start over with you. That is an insanely great offer. When you think about it from the Hebrew mindset, from an inheritance-taking mindset, from a bargaining mindset, that is a great offer. That is a great offer. And so now let's stop here for a second. You see how we had to take our time to build this up? Now, let's think about that's God's proposition. So that's from this side of the table, right? This is God explaining to Moses, this is what I see, and this is what I offer you from this side of the table. Now, let's flip the table, and let's go from Moses' side. Let's see what Moses is thinking, right? Let's try to dive into the mind of Moses. And in order to dive into the mind of Moses, we got to go back to, to Moses' past, so Moses, as he's drawn from the river, and he's, he's a Hebrew, but his culture for 40 years is Egyptian. His culture is 40 years in Egyptian. Not only do we know that from the book of Exodus, but we also know that from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 7, verse 22, Moses was learned in all the ways of the Egyptians. So that was his culture. And as Moses grows up into that Egyptian culture, and then there comes a point where, as the book of Hebrews says, Moses saw his people hurting, and he would rather enjoy suffering than rather be enjoy sin for a season. So what Moses does, remember, Moses kills that Egyptian. And as Moses kills that Egyptian for hitting a Hebrew, what does Moses do? Then Moses flees. And as Moses flees from Egypt, that's that's some traumatizing things that happens here. Sometimes we read scripture, it's like, well, that happened. Well, that happened. We kind of read it in points, but we don't understand. That's some traumatizing stuff. Because you naturally know from step from the jump, when Moses can understand He knows that he looks different. I could dress as an Egyptian. I can talk as an Egyptian. I can learn their language. I can learn all these things, but I'm different from everybody else. So that's something he's going to have to deal with later from his adolescence to his adulthood, which is not easy. Then he sees someone that he knows is his people, and he kills one of his own people, one of his adopted people as an Egyptian. And then what does he do? I mean, I can't stay here. So then he flees. That's 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 a difficult position to be in. And then as he flees, then we find him in Midian. And now he's there. He sees Jethro, marries Zipporah. Now he's a shepherd for 40 years in the wilderness of Midian. So now think about all these things. Let's just take those two for a second. You think about a day in the life of Moses as he's shepherding. What was the point of me even being in Egypt? I was there for 40 years. Yes, I learned the language. Yes, I did this. Yes, I learned all these things. But if the point of me being in Egypt for 40 years just to leave, just for things not to work out, just for things to fail and blow up in my face, what was the point of me even being there? I could have just lived here in Midian. Now he's in Midian for 40 years being a shepherd. And it it gives a connotation from Exodus chapter 4. If God did not call Moses to go back, I don't think he would have went back. I think Moses would have stayed in Midian, and so we're building up Moses' past here, so we can really understand our question: Would I do it all? Would I do this all over again? Now Moses is in Midian. God calls him the the fiery uh, the 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 bush is on fire, and God speaks. God saying, "I am that I am." God's telling him, I will be with you. God giving him the rod. God showing him the power of the rod. All these things are happening, and he says, I need you to go back. No. Who am I to do that? Which, that's a big question. That's a whole other study, and we're going to do that one day. Who am I to go? Send somebody else. But God tells him to go back, and he goes back. And then after he goes back, multiple times, nope. Let my people go, no. Let my people, nope, no, no, no. Multiple times, he's doing what God says, but when he goes back, what do you think Moses is feeling? Yeah, I shouldn't have went back. I shouldn't have came back here. I knew there was nothing for me here. I knew I shouldn't have came back. I shouldn't have even come here in the first place. Those 40 years ago, I should have have never stepped foot into Egypt. Should have never been here. You see, that's how we can say things in our life too. Should have never gone there. Should have never went here. Should have never gone there. Should have never. And then you'll spend so much time in your life wondering about your own decisions. And this is, this is I'm talking about this is years removed. And you're still questioning these things. Which, again, I'm not saying it's not natural because it is. But you find yourself stuck asking these questions and asking. And now, as you do these things, naturally, what do you begin to do? Number one, you begin to doubt God and his wisdom and his shepherding and how he guides you. Number 1, you begin to doubt that. But then number 2, you begin to doubt yourself. And you doubt your decisions, you doubt your worthiness of God, your worthiness of other people. You begin to doubt these things because of what you've seen. And this is this is potentially what Moses could have could have felt. But we we have to take the time to know the man. We, we see these things and sometimes it's so easy. We read scripture as factual, which it is, but we read scripture as almost like a, a textbook to learn rather than diving into the mind of this man, seeing how they would have felt, seeing how they would have, would have understood these things that they feel and what God is saying to them. It, it makes scripture alive. And we need to use our words and use the words that God gave us to make this alive And so now Moses is sitting here, and we're in Moses' mind thinking about his past. And now Moses says, well, Egypt was a failure. Midian, I mean, I'm a shepherd, but I'm supposed to go back. So why did I spend those 40 years in Midian? Well, that's a failure. Then I go back to Egypt pharaoh continues to say no but then he says yes then we're able to cross over but then as we cross over now we're in exodus 17 now you're saying all these people that they just saw all this great stuff now they're saying someone else delivered them so now what is moses thinking about his second time in egypt well that's a failure too so now from moses side of the table is this a, is this an offering i need to take It's God giving me an offer that I can't refuse. Would I do this again? Would you do this again? I want you to notice Moses' answer, verse 11. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord, his God. Notice how personal that is. Now, remember, at this point, Moses is an old man now. He's an older man. This is not a young Moses. He's pleading with the Lord, his God. And watch how he pleads. And he said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against whose people? Yours. Who did God just say these people were in verse 7? God says, these are your people, Moses. But then notice what Moses said. Moses said, Why did your anger burn hot against your people whom you brought out? Isn't it interesting Moses says that? When God early in verse 7 said, these are your people that you brought out, Moses said, God, this is not me. This is your people, and you led them out. This This is yours. You brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand. So the first component, I'm not going to say the answer yet, but the first component to answering this question for your life, I know there's things. And we've had conversations with, I I can't tell you how many people through the podcast, through people I don't know, through friends that listen, how many conversations that we've had talking about stuff like this. And as we talk about this stuff, everybody's thinking the same thing you look back at your life and you look back at your decisions and you look back at the places that you went and you look back at where you are and where you were and you start to question so many things. And in the presence, in the present, you hear about uh, God guiding you and you hear about him being a shepherd and you read Psalm chapter 23 and you read John chapter 10, that he's the good shepherd and you see all of these images of God shepherding you as God shepherd his people. But as you look back, you feel like, where was God there? Where was he there? Where was he there? All of this time and in that past, it was I was a failure, and nothing worked. So where was God then? Where was he then? So notice what Moses is saying. The first component that Moses brought up Moses, I'm, I'm sure, thought about his journey up to that point when God gave him that offer. But instead of focusing too much on his journey and what went right and wrong for him personally, notice what Moses is concerned about now. He said, you have the power. Your power is great. And throughout all of this, not only this people, but you've led me all these years, whether I was in Egypt or whether I was in Midian, whether when I went back to save them, you led me too. All of this from once when I was a baby and went through all of this up to this point, all of this is with your great power and your mighty hand orchestrated all of this. And many times we spend, we can try to spend too much time trying to explain things, when rather, maybe we just say, well, God God is guiding me through this. With the good, yeah. Well, what about the bad things that happen? Yeah, he's using that too. That's how powerful God is, that he can use anything with his mighty hand. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that can blow your mind, really. Watch verse 12. Now notice his second concern. Why should the Egyptians speak and why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to harm them, (laughs) he brought them out to kill them in the mountains, and he just brought them out to consume them. So think about what Moses is saying. So you have the problem, you have the proposition, and then you have the final position here. So (laughs) look look at what Moses is saying. What are the Egyptians who we just left all that time that I personally spent in Egypt and all the time that this people spent in Egypt, what would they say about you? That you just brought them out of here just to kill them? So they, the Egyptians would just laugh. <laughs> Israelites, your life is inevitable. Whether you're here in Egypt or you're in the wilderness, you're going to die. It's inevitable. He brought them out to harm them, to kill them in the mountain, then to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce wrath and relent this harm, From your people. Interesting, he brings that up again, right? Verse 13 Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants to whom you swore and your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, and all this land I have spoken, I've given you to your descendants, and they will inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from his harm, which he would do to his people. So there's a lot to unpack as we go through this, but here's the first thing that we're seeing. What if God, and I want you to think about yourself for a second, and we're, I'm going to answer this at the end, right? That's why I say listen to the end. I mean, I'm talking about the very, 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 very end so you can understand my answer. So what if God is sitting at the table with you as I'm sitting at this table right now? And what if God understood and he does, but we're, we're painting this picture. What if he understood your pain? He understood your past. He understood the failures. He understood what went wrong. And God has given you the chance to completely start over as if nothing that you've gone through up to this point has ever happened. And not only will he do that, number one, but then number two, he will literally give you a fresh start with you would you take the deal would you take the deal again i'm not going to say my answer yet but initially i'm just giving you my initial thoughts the more that i study this the more you look at it and, and again sometimes we try to give answers so we can say well this is what i would have done you don't know what you would have done unless you're put in the situation so let's let's use some humility here. But sometimes I'll look at it and if I'm honest, I would have had if I was Moses, I would have considered the deal. Man, that those 40 years in Egypt as a failure and just to know that I'm so different. And now I was in Midian, and then I went back, and all these people are saying this and did th- So you're saying I can start over? Like it never happened? I might take that deal. You might take that deal. And I think that's a human thing to think. It's a human thing to think. And as we look at this, I want you to understand this from Moses' perspective. I'll give you Moses' answer, and then I'll close and give you mine. Remember, Moses is threefold. And again, there's some, there's some interesting information on the threefold nature of Moses, and I would love to give you that information from uh, this great, great PDF file um, that I've got from a a great Christian study. And if you want that, send me a message and I can share some of that stuff with you. But Moses was threefold. Moses was a Hebrew, yes, by birth. Moses was an Egyptian by culture, yes. And Moses was also a Midianite. So on the surface, through our human eyes, we can look at Moses— And we can say, man, it seems like those 40 years in Egypt just for you to leave, what's the point of you being there? What's the point of you being a Midian? What's the point of you going back? What's the the point of all these things that's happened in your life? Isn't it interesting that—let's start with Moses being a Midianite. Isn't it interesting that Midian, that land where Moses was, isn't it very interesting— that the same route that the Israelites took leaving Egypt to wander and try to go to the land of Canaan, they went to Midian and through Midian. And so with Moses being a shepherd there for years, guess who knew the land? <laughs> it's very interesting. So to Moses and Midian, I'm just a shepherd. I'm just a this. I'm just a that. But God was preparing him for more. Now you have Moses, the Egyptian. Moses, Acts chapter 7, verse 22, Moses was learned in all the ways of the Egyptians. So isn't it interesting, as Moses is in Egypt, there was literally... Literally, no other man on the planet that was ready to lead a nation more than Moses. Why? Because where did Moses learn leadership? He learned some of those qualities, those administrative qualities. He learned that in Egypt. Now, God, the Spirit, all those other things, those were the main priority that helped him lead. But again, Moses needed that time as an Egyptian to understand what he needed to understand when he went back. No other man could have done that but Moses. Well, that time was a failure. I'm just a fake Egyptian. I'm just a fake adopted son. I'm just a this. I'm just a that. Moses could have said that stuff. But notice what God was making. God was making a leader. Then you have Moses, a Hebrew. When Moses saw that the Hebrew was getting beat, Moses' heart was drawn to his people. So God used his heart to help him with his love so that he could do exactly what he's doing in Exodus 32. He's pleading for the people. And he's pleading for God not to destroy them. So isn't it interesting as we go through our lives that wherever you are and wherever you've been, uh, I, was, I was just to this here. I didn't mean much when I went there. I didn't mean much here. I didn't mean much there. I'm just to this now. I'm just to this now. See, that's the naked eye looking at what you're doing. But I wish I could give more of a detailed answer, but I can't. God sees more. He sees more. So essentially, God gave Moses an opportunity. You don't have to do this. But what, what was what would Moses' answer be if God said, would you do it all over again? Yeah. Yeah. Don't destroy them. Now, isn't it interesting that past this time, guess what the people would continue to do? They would continue to complain. They would continue to murmur. They would continue to talk about him. They would continue to do all these things. But it's very interesting, and it's a great text of why the Bible says Moses was the meekest man to walk the earth. Now, as we look at the problem for Moses, his proposition, and we look at the final position here. Remember that example that we used at the very beginning of the podcast with Dr. Strange in that movie? It's very interesting the more you watch that. What if he lost his heart, not his hands? It's interesting as you watch that 30-minute that show that there's a point in time that he tries to change. And as he goes back, every time he tries to change that point in time, things continue to get worse. But he realized at the end of it that even though this is something that I, it was inevitable I had to lose it, I had to lose this thing, this person, place, or thing. I'll let you watch it to find out. I had to lose this person, place, or thing. It was inevitable. There's nothing I could have done. In any time, there's nothing I could have done. But he needed that to become what he needed to be. Moses going where he was, from the moment that he landed in Egypt, God was guiding him. And Moses needed every single thing that happened. So that he could continue to do God's work. Now, let's go to my answer. So I'm at the table with God now. Maybe you can answer this for yourself as we close this. Now I'm at the table with him. And he sits there and he tells me. He asked me, Jordan, would, would you do it all over again? Now, I'm stunned, just like Moses was stunned in Exodus 32, verse 7, 8, 9, right? Wait, what? (laughs) You're asking, would would I do it all over again? And then God sweetens the deal. And he says, you know what? I will give you the opportunity to start over as if nothing ever happened. And isn't it interesting that Moses, everything he knows now, God never indicated that that would go away. That's very interesting, isn't it? Everything Moses had been through, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years as a Hebrew, 40 years as, as in, in Midian. Isn't it interesting that Moses would keep all that knowledge, but God still gave him the chance to start over? There's no indication God would have taken that knowledge away. So let's assume that's the same for me. Let's assume that. And let's assume that's the same for you. Jordan, I'm going to give you the opportunity. Everything that's ever happened in your life, Every pain, every hurt, every failure, every success, everything you've ever seen and been through up to this point today, October 23rd, Monday, 2023, you could start over as if nothing ever happened. And not only that, I will start over and I will make you great. I will make you great. And when God says a promise, what does Peter say? Peter says, God is not slack concerning his promises. So that's a promise of God. God said, I will make you great. Okay, so I know that's going to be a fact. So what's my answer? That's a tough answer. (laughs) That's a tough answer. So what would be my answer? Here's the thing. Uh, My answer, based off of God's question and our question for the podcast, my, my answer would be twofold to God's question and to his proposal. So we'll start over and assuming, right, continuing that you can still have the knowledge that you have and you'll be made great. I think my answer would be no. I think my answer would be no. And the reason I think my answer would be no is think about that for a second. And I believe that this was a test for Moses. If Moses takes God up on that offer, as justified as Moses seems between him and God understanding how difficult it's been, essentially, though, do you think that would be prideful? Because I will make you great. So then now what comes into the picture? Pride. But what did Moses decide to do though? Moses decided to plead and intercede. Isn't that the same thing Jesus did for us? You know, guys, as we as we walk through this life, this life is not necessarily about your, your failures and your successes, and it's also not about how you can use these pieces that have happened in life, how you can use them to ultimately make you great. And a lot of times we deem and we see that as, well, this didn't make me great, so it didn't work. This didn't give this to me, so it didn't work. This didn't happen, so it didn't. It didn't make me great, so it didn't work. It's not about your greatness. Nothing in this life is about our greatness. Jesus said, if any man is going to be great, let him be your servant. And guys, guess what? It sounds really sweet and cliche and nice and sounds like something you would put on your wall or something you would see when you walk into the church building. Let him be your servant. But guys, being a servant means being looked over. Being a servant means no one knowing what you're doing. Being a servant means sacrificing and doing things for the greater good of others, and not for what you could have. You see, that's the part of servant. Uh, that's the part of servanthood that we don't want, but that's the necessity and that's the essence of it. That's how, that's how you're great. Moses had the opportunity from God to be great, but Moses chose to suffer and sacrifice still. Guess what? To God, he didn't say this in the text, but to God, Moses was already great. To be your servant. It's, a, it's not an easy thing, man. It's, it's not... It's not an easy thing to be somebody's servant, to be the world's servant. It's not. But that's what's necessary for greatness. That's what greatness is. So I think that would be my answer if I'm sitting at God at, with the table, you know, at the table up to this point. Now, to answer our podcast question, here's why I said this is Twofold. Would I do it all over again? So to God, his proposition, humbly, God, no, I can't do it. But to answer our question, would I go through all of it again? Yeah. Now, initially it was no. (laughs) It got me all choked up. (laughs) Initially it was no. No, 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 I wouldn't. No. Initially it was no. Initially, it was no for a while, but now, yeah. Well, wait, why would you go through all that again? Then then, this, 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 this. Why would you go through all that again? Because the things that we don't talk about is this. Those things, failures and successes together, those things equip you to do what God needs you to do. If we take those failures and we take those successes the right way. You can go through failure and success and you not take what you need to get from it. So essentially in that case it doesn't matter. But if you take what you need to take from it. Every pain, every hurt, yeah, I'll take it. I do it again. Because I, that's if if I don't have that, if I don't have those if I don't have those unknown years. If I don't have those those times of joy, if I don't have those times of of crying, of being alone, of being those dark days. If I if I don't have that, I'm not who I am right now to help who I need to help now. I'm not that. Now, am I throwing a party that this happened? That it had no, I'm not throwing a party. I'm not throwing a party that these things happen. But I'm not necessarily asking God to take it away either. I'm not asking him to do that. Because did Moses at any point in time, did he ask God to take away any part of his journey? He did not. He did not. So yes, I think I would do it all over again. And and as we grow and as we mature and as as we study scripture together, you'll start to see that all of this stuff all of these things that happen in life all of these puzzle pieces all of these little pockets in time that happen throughout your life none of this stuff is about our comfort none of this stuff is about our greatness none of this stuff is about us at all all of these things and places and situations that you're you're put into that you see that you've been a part of all of these things and its successes and its failures. All of these things are for God's glory. But we can take it and internalize it and think about ourselves alone. All of this is for God's glory. Now, will you always win in the end? No, you won't always win in the end. It's not like the movies. right? You You won't always win in the end. But this life, thankfully... Is not the end. So all of this stuff in life, and one thing that Moses understood that I still, I'm still working towards, and I don't have it. I don't have it. Um, what's the word? I don't have it mastered. I understand the concept, but I don't have this mastered yet. Moses. Moses understood throughout his entire life as he's watching the people going into the promised land. Moses understood all of this stuff that's happened in my life. I may not have won this. I may not have. I may not have. Made this work. I may not have. I may not be the. Chosen one. In in this instance. But. All this was about service. Everything was about service. And until we realize. That all this life is about. Is service. Service. I think we're going to be just like the children of Israel. We're going to be wandering, looking for greatness. And some of us may find it. We may find the world's view of greatness. But essentially, we'll still keep wandering, wondering what this thing is about. And it's always and it always will be about service and glorifying God. And humbling yourself beneath the hand of God and humbling yourself among everybody else. That's what it's always been about. It's always been about that. And it's not a and I understand why there's not a lot of examples of Moses, because this is not an it's not an easy life to live. It's never an easy life to live. But Moses had to do it. Somebody's got to do it, right? That's why the Lord calls us as Christians to do it. So would you do it all over again? I think I would. I think I would. Because all those things, I needed to help whoever I'm helping now. And all those things that happened to you, you needed it too. But just know that the Lord is still guiding you. He's still shepherding you, and he's still leading you with his mighty hand, too. Don't ever forget that. Now, I understand what it feels like for the pieces. you got a bunch of pieces on the table, and you're like, I have no idea how in the world all these pieces are going to make a picture. I, I don't see it, man. I don't. Honestly, I don't see how it's going to make a picture. I don't. But God does. So trust him trust him. Love you guys, man. Hopefully that can make you think. This this podcast to me, it would be a success if I made you think. Rethink where you are. Rethink how you think about things. And I hope that this can encourage you and help you throughout your, your week. And always here to help you guys reach out to us as you guys always do. Again, if you haven't, you won't be the first to reach out, to reach out to us so we can help you, maybe pray for you, just get to know you a little bit more. So appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Um, And we'll be back with another podcast on Monday. Thanks guys.